title of the message this morning is, is At the Center. At the Center. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 4 this morning. Revelation chapter 4. And what I like to do every single time that, that I open uh, the, the Word of God or that we, we read from Scripture, the, the main time, I like to have all of us stand. And the reason behind that is because we want to give honor to the Word of God. And so if you would stand with me as we, uh, as we read this, Revelation chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 2, and we're going to cover six verses, and this is going to be a lot of, this, it's, it's going to be long as far as what we're going to be covering, but there's, there's a method to the madness, okay? So, uh, so it's going to be great. I'm really excited to preach this sermon this morning, but we're going to be in starting in verse 2. The word of the Lord says this, at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the, other, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around." Even under its wings, day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you just for the opportunity to preach your word. And God, I pray, Lord, that it would not be my words spoken, but yours spoken through me. Father, that let those who have ears, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Father, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you remember worshiping for the very first time? Like, and I'm not just talking about like worshiping. I'm talking about like worshiping. Like, you remember that that moment when you just like, like something just happened in worship, right? Like, I remember times where, where I would be worshiping. And, and when I first got saved, you know, I, I was saved when I was in fifth grade. And then uh, I, I kind of got really on fire for the Lord, and then I kind of walked away from the Lord. But I remember when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I remember sitting with my mom, worshiping with her in church. And I remember being really confused because it seemed like everybody else was having a different experience than I was having. It was one of those moments where people were, you know, their hands were raised, and they were just going after the Lord. And, and it was incredible, and it looked like, and I was just looking around being like, I don't get it. I just, I, I don't get it. And then there was one time, there was a moment. I remember I went to camp in sixth grade. There was a moment when, when man, I knew and understood this kind of worship that I saw everybody else doing. There was a moment when it just clicked. 
When, when, when something happened and, and you just found that there was something in, in the atmosphere that changed and, and it's really worship, not, not just kind of raising your hands just to go through the motions, but like worship. You know what I'm talking about, right? We all understand that. And it seems like sometimes as we, as we first become believers and first start our walk with the Lord, it, it seems like sometimes some individuals are worshiping in a reality that isn't ours. It, it, it doesn't make sense to us. We, we can sit there and say, well, well, I just don't get it. I don't understand. How can you be all in on this worship stuff? And, and really, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the singer's kind of off key. I'm not really sure. Like, I'm pretty sure the guitar played the wrong note here. Like, I just, I'm not, re- like, how are you able to kind of be all in? That's not about today, by the way. The worship team did amazing. How in the world can you be all in? And, and the reality is, is those individuals who are truly worshiping, and one day when we get to that point of true worship, we understand the center of it all. We understand the reality that is the spiritual world. That at the center of everything is God. And when we understand that reality, our worship changes. Things change in, in the atmosphere. Things change in our heart. We can, we can go all out. It doesn't matter if we're super talented vocally or not, but we can worship the Lord with all that we are. Why? Because the reality is God is on the throne. And so in Revelation, the writer of Revelation is the Apostle John. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and, and the Gospel of John. He was known as the beloved disciple or the, the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. In this passage, John is giving us a vision of the throne room of God. Now, throughout Revelation, there, there are multiple different visions throughout Revelation. These, these don't necessarily happen in chronological order. Instead, what they are are just really visions of reality of what may be currently, may, may be what has happened or what is going to happen. And so these are really windows or, or, or kind of drawn curtains, and, and John is being allowed to see what is going on in the spiritual reality of things. In this passage specifically, it is the reality and and the spiritual reality of who God is. That's what's going on here in Revelation chapter 4. The first three chapters of Revelation were actually written for that present time. It was seven different churches were given, uh, were given letters from Jesus, essentially words from Jesus, to either get right or keep going. Or It was either a correction or encouragement for these different churches in the first three chapters of Revelation. And then... And then, and then suddenly it says that I was caught up in the Spirit, right? I was in the Spirit. And John is given this vision. The curtain is drawn back, and he's given this vision of the throne room of God. Now, he, he says this in verse 2, right? I, once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. 
So here we have this, uh, this throne, and, and John is very particular about saying throne. The, the word throne here is used, and John actually uses the word throne, this particular word, 47 times in Revelation. Now, now in the entire New Testament, throne is only used 62 times. So John is putting an emphasis on this understanding of a throne. He wants us to get this. He wants us to understand that he saw a throne. It wasn't a chair. It wasn't a bench. It wasn't a pew. It was a throne. That's what it was. And so John wants to emphasize this, and this would would have really spoken to those who were first century believers at that time because really what had happened was that Caesar had used his throne to do horrible things. And so the thrones of the Caesars and the thrones of of the Herods ended up really hurting the church. And and so this would make some of us uneasy or some of the believers uneasy whenever he says, I saw a throne. But the emphasis here is who's on the throne, but also the emphasis is how great that throne is. That this is a throne that is above any other throne. This is a throne that is not just simply just like all the other Caesars that will end up crumbling and rotting away. No, this is a throne that is eternal. This is a throne that is above any other throne. This is the greatest throne of all time. This is the throne of God. That's the kind of throne that John is talking about. If we continue reading and and read it with me up here on the screen... And the one who sat there, and and we'll talk about this for a minute, but it never really truly says, uh, it never really truly says who's sitting on the throne yet, right? It always implies it, but we get down to the very bottom, then we know who's really on the throne. And so the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. John is, he's, he's doing this here and he's painting a picture of the majesty and magnificence of what the throne room is. He's painting us and and giving us a vision. Now, now all of these things that we're going to be talking about with Jasper and Ruby and the rainbow and the 24 thrones with 24 elders and all these different things, these aren't necessarily, and and hear me on this, this, these aren't necessarily literal things. Instead, what what John is trying to do is he's, he's doing his best to create an analogy or to create a picture with, with our minds to, to make us understand a little bit of what's going on. This isn't, it's not necessarily literal that, that the one who's seated on the throne is, is precious stones, but it's like that. Do you, do you, are you following me? It's not necessarily that this is literal what's going on. Instead, what's happening is is this is the best comparison that John has with his mind. This isn't something that, that, you know, he, he can't necessarily talk about something that hasn't happened yet because he's in the first century world. And so he's he's doing his best to sit there and say, it's it's like this, but it's better. It's like this, but it's way cooler. But just, it, it's like this. And so he says this. The one sitting on the throne had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. This is, 
These are precious stones, something that is sparkling, something that really uh, the, the two of these, Jasper and Ruby, both were, were on the garments of the high priest. These are something that are, that are the first and the last stones on the high priest's ephod. This is royalty, not just royalty, but priestly royalty. It was like jasper and ruby, something that is precious, sparkling, brilliant, wonderful. A rainbow of emerald. Now, green emerald, that, that color there was used a lot for the color of salvation. And so, so the color of salvation, and not just that, but it says rainbow specifically. This is as if he's sitting there and saying that this is the God of covenant, this is the one that is covenanted with salvation. This is the one that, that gave the rainbow in the time of Noah. This is the same God that gives a rainbow now, a covenant to us. This is the promises of God encircling the throne are God's promises that will come to pass. The next thing that we see in verse 4, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Now, the 24 elders, this is usually the, the number 12 is the number for completeness. And so for this, it's, it's believed, and, and many scholars, and, and I, I tend to, to lean this way as well in, in my belief of this, but 24, 12 goes into 24 twice. It's the completeness of the Old Testament and the New Testament patriarchs. It's the completeness of the 12 patriarchs in the Old Testament as well as the completeness with the 12 apostles of Christ in the New Testament. This is, this is the symbolic nature and the understanding that this is the completeness and the fullness of the body of the faithful believers of Christ. Surrounding the throne of God is the completeness of you and me. Is the completeness of the church. That's what's happening here. And not only that, but it says that they're dressed in, in white robes and crowns of gold are on their heads. This is that understanding. They're dressed in the garb of redeemed royalty. That those who had been redeemed are, are, are wearing white robes and the gold crown on their heads is their royalty that they've been given in Christ. This is representative of you and me. That one day, the completeness of all believers will be in the throne room of God. And next goes on and it says, From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. So around the throne, you see flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. Now, God speaks in thunderous tones in the Old Testament. He speaks through thunder. When God speaks, sometimes it comes across as thunder. But this is supposed to be, in this moment, this understanding of the almighty power of the one who sits on the throne. This is lightning, and this is, this is the only thing, this is the most powerful thing that John can think of, lightning and thunder, 
Right? It, would be, it would be the equivalent of sitting there and saying that, that surrounding him were, were blasts of like atomic bombs. Like the, it's just it's an incredible power that God has. This is the power of God, lightning and thunder. It's meant to inspire this fearful awe of God. Proverbs says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That doesn't mean that we cower from God. What that means is that we understand the power that he has, and we are in awe of him. That's what's happening here. He's surrounded by peals of thunder and strikes of lightning. This power, it's supposed to, and, and, just, and just think about it, right? This one who's sitting, sitting there covered in precious gems and lightning sparking off of him. Like, that incredible, amazing picture. And it says the seven spirits. This is the Holy Spirit. Seven is used here as a number of perfection, right? The number of God is seven, right? Perfection. And so for this, this is the Holy Spirit of God sitting before the throne. And then it says, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Now this is really cool. So, so again, John is trying to, to let us know this is what it was like. It's, it's something that is crazy. It's, see, glass at the time, the refining process for glass still made glass opaque. Glass wasn't purely clear like we have glass now because the refining process wasn't invented yet. And so John is trying to sit here and say that, that this is really, there, there were some throne rooms like the throne of Solomon in the Old Testament where he had clear crystal on his, in, his, in his throne room. And part of that, it looked like it was still water. That's how clear it was. It was one of those moments where you, you felt like you were going to fall in water because it was so clear and beautiful. And so this is something that is, again, a, a, is reminiscent of, of complete royalty, of something that is beautiful and magnificent and awe-inspiring. And again, I, I, just, I love to sit back and just think about all of these things that happened and every single thing that John saw, I can just imagine like lightning and you see the lightning from the floor because the floor is clear as crystal. Just imagine around this throne, it's, it's, it's circular, it's not looking forward, it's, it's circular and all around it is this sea of clear crystal. Like you're walking on water to get to the throne when you approach it. And then he says, there's four living creatures that surrounded the throne. They were covered in eyes, with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Here we have the ox, the lion, the eagle, and the man. These four are representative symbols throughout Scripture of all of creation. The man sits as the, the steward and the caretaker and, and that above all of creation. The ox is, is the mightiest of, of, of domesticated animals. The lion is the mightiest of the wild animals and the eagle is the mightiest of the birds of the air. 
And so this is the representative understanding of this is all of creation that is surrounding the throne of God. Not only that, but it says that they are covered in eyes in the front and in the back. This is used in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6. It also talks about these six-winged creatures. known as these, these will be known as seraphim. And they have eyes all around their bodies. And the reason for that is so that they can constantly be looking at the throne of God while at the same time simultaneously constantly be looking at the creation of God. These are individuals. These are creatures that are awe-inspiring in every single way. They're mighty and terrifying in every single way. And you know what they're moved to? It says this in verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, and here we have who this person is in the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is who is at the center of the throne, right? We, we talked about this for, for the first seven verses of this chapter. We don't know who's at the center. It's implied because of how great and awesome and magnificent it is. But then once the creatures, they, they continuously, they don't stop without ceasing. They're continuing to worship this one being in the middle. And who is it? The Lord God Almighty. Man. And, with, and when met with such majesty and awe, even the awe-inspiring creatures have to worship the Lord. Here we have this moment. I can just imagine John getting this vision, the curtains pull back and you see this, this individual sitting on a throne, this great, incredible throne in the middle of the room. And he's sparkling like rubies and jasper and sapphires. And, and around his head is, is this rainbow of emerald above the throne. And surrounding him are 24 thrones of elders with, with bright white robes and golden crowns. And there's lightning and thunder and all around him looks to be clear, still water of crystal on the floor. And around the throne are four of these magnificent, terrifying creatures. And all they say is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is what's at the center of it all. This is the reality of God. This is where we're at right now. This is the way that it has always been. It says this, who was and is and is to come. He's always been on that throne. He was, he is now, and he will be on that throne. He's at the center. 
This is the reality of God, a being that is so beautifully terrifying, one who always has been and always will be, the creator of the universe, the center of all existence. This is God. And not just that, but this is the God that you and I worship. See, for us this morning... You know, some of us, I think, you know, as we we continue on this journey of me preaching on Sundays, you'll see that even last week you may sit there and think, well, this is very simple. Why why are you, this is a very simple sermon. Why, Why are you preaching simple? Because this is the very foundation of what we believe. If we don't believe this, what's the point? If we don't believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, why are we here? And so I, I want to give us this, this understanding, and I want to preach a, a few sermons that seemingly are simple, but if we don't truly get it, we won't ever live our lives full on for the Lord. So the question that I have for us today is, what is at your center? What is at your center? Or or maybe the better question is, who is at your center? You know, this passage... Again, it shows us the reality that is. This is, not some, this, is not an, this is not a statement or a moment to argue. That's not what happens here. You can sit there and be like, well, you know, God, I mean, I don't really know if that, I mean, maybe that's him one day. No, 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 that's what is right now. This is the word of the Lord. The reality is, is God is on his throne and he's at the center of everything. And at some point, all of creation and the completeness of the church and his family will be worshiping him. All of creation shouts out, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so the question again is what is at your center. See, throughout life, we can be tempted to put a number of things at the center of our lives. Success, a job, money, material possessions. We can put a lot of things at the center. Maybe it's our kids, our spouse, We put a lot of different things in that category. Fame, friends, fortune, health. Being seen as that really great person on Instagram. One of those, my life's falling apart, but hey, let me post about how much I love my kids. What's at your center? Worship team, you can come forward. I really want us to understand this, that 
you may have come here today and different things may have been the center of your life. Things other than God. You may have come here today and, and the center of your life may have been your husband. It may still be your husband, your wife, your kids. It may be your health is the center of everything. I just need to get healthy. I just need to be better. If I just take these supplements, if I just, oh, I, I read this study over here, maybe, maybe I can take something over here and it'll, it'll help me be healthier or better. Maybe you're at the center of everything. Maybe your life revolves around and is all about you. You constantly have to be in front of people, constantly have to, have to show yourself as somebody who has it all put together. Or maybe, and, and can I just be... real for a moment. Maybe your center is the church. It's not what scripture says. I'm not saying, hear me, the church is wrong or loving the church is wrong or being a part of the church is wrong. No, those are incredible things. But if you put the church at the center of it all, if you put me at the center of everything, if you put a pastor at the center of everything, if you put just some mentor spiritually that you had at the center of everything, everything's going to fall apart. The center of the church is God. The center of all existence is God. And if we cease to be a church like that, we cease to be a church. If we cease putting, putting God on the throne and, and putting Him at the center of everything, then, then at some point we just become a club, really. And so what is at your center? This is a real question that every single one of us needs to ask. Maybe some of us are sitting there and be like, well, Pastor Gail, man, God's at my center, duh. Come on, you think I'd put anything else in the center? Maybe your pride's at the center right now. Hear me, I, I'm not doing this to, I'm not saying these things to shame us. I'm saying these things to, to welcome us in to a life that is so great. Because what happens is, is that you will constantly be looking for something to fill the void of the center of your life. Your kids will move out. Brother, that hot wife you have will be different. 
Why? Because scripture says that beauty is fleeting and charm is in vain. Changes. I just want to be real with us. If we don't get this, we miss out. And so today, I'm just going to give us an opportunity to respond. You know, if you're watching online and you need to make a confession and, a, and, and repent of making something else the center, and it's just, it's not working. You know, addiction is something where you go from addiction to addiction to addiction to addiction, and it will never really ever be satiated. You can go from alcohol to drugs to pornography to shopping to video games, whatever that may be. You can have an addiction to it and you're looking for something. Really what that is, is it's a cry from your soul looking for something to be at the center. And the reality is God's at that center. And so this morning we're going to respond. Going to respond in this way. One, if you've sat there and you said, you know, I, Pastor Galen, if I had to answer the question, what's at the center of my life? It wouldn't be God. And the altars will be open for you. This is not one of those moments where we're going to have, you know, I'm not going to ask for hands to be raised and we're not going to, you know, clap as you come forward. We're not, we're not going to do those things. What we're going to do is we're going to have a moment to realign ourselves. We're going to have a moment to be in the presence of God. And so if you're that individual who says, I put something else at the center. I need to make God the center. We're going to worship here in a moment and you're going to realign in your heart and in your soul. You're going to repent. God, forgive me for putting something else ahead of you. And I want you to be at the center. And for the rest of us in here who would say God is at the center, we're going to worship the one who is because he's worthy of it. Because when we're faced with the throne of God and we see his majesty, we can't help but worship. We are moved. Our, our, our very being has to be moved to worship God. And so I just ask all of us to stand across this place. And we're just going to go back into this song. It is well. And we're going to sing and worship the Lord because He's at the center of it all. We're going to sing and worship the Lord because He's now, for some of us, He's now again at the center of it all.
It doesn't matter what you think is at the center. The reality is God is at the center. And He is worthy of our worship. And He's worthy of our praise. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. All across this place, let's simply raise our hands and worship the King of Kings, the one who sits on the throne above every single throne, the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Let's worship Him.